Hello, and welcome back to Now Screaming, episode 34. I'm Evan Culbertson. And I'm Liz Smart. And we're watching all the horror movies currently streaming on Netflix. So you don't have to. This week we're talking about the 2012 anthology film, The ABCs of Death. And what an ABCs they are. What an alphabet they are? What an alphabet. <laughs> so this is an anthology film, our second that we've done on the podcast, mm-hmm. after Extraordinary Tales, which was a Poe collection. Mm-hmm. That was really early. It was a long mm-hmm. time ago, it feels like. It was like yeah. around November of last year. Yeah. As you might guess from the title, this is a anthology of 26 short films. All based on a letter of the alphabet. They're not all really horror shorts. Some are a lot more comic. But they're all based about... Yeah, but even the... I think there's only one that I can think of off the top of my head that's not, like, has no horror element at all. And I only just realized in this moment how it relates to death. We'll get to it. I'm I'm intrigued (laughs) what you're talking about. Yeah, they're all about death. Um... Let's talk a little bit about the background behind this. So the producers of the film were Ant Timpson and Tim League, who founded the Alamo Drafthouse uh, movie theater chain. Oh, yeah. Ant Timpson, incidentally, this is... The credits say this is based on a nightmare by him. Oh, that's it, when I roll my eyes. It's not real. Uh, there is no real nightmare. It's just, like, the idea of, like, children's letterbox and anthology horror. Mm-hmm. So he didn't really have a nightmare no. about this. Okay, good. Uh, but he also produced Housebound, a now screaming favorite. Oh, that makes me slightly more endeared to him. I was real annoyed with him after this movie. So yeah, uh, you're already letting your feelings be known. Um, maybe before we even talk about the execution of this, we should talk about how we felt about it. Yeah. It's not good, you guys. <laughs> it put me in a real bad space. <laughs> I would say the the nicest thing I could say about it is that it's a waste of time. Yeah, that's the nicest thing you could say. But for it sure. made me feel real bad inside. It, yeah, it took it took me to a bad place. I didn't actually think that it uh, it wasn't that bad as I was watching it, but afterwards I was like, oh, I don't feel good. I don't feel, and not even in just like a oh, I've just watched a horror movie because like sometimes those can make you feel kind of bad because mm-hmm. especially if they end poorly or whatever. And I think that what I what I felt when I was watching this, uh, for the most of it, was like, this is what I hate about horror. That like, and maybe that this is what people when I tell people that I love horror, this is what people think that I mean is like. Unfortunately, I think you're 100 percent correct. Like yeah, this is this is what gives horror films a bad a, a reputation. A bad name, absolutely. It, it's it's disgusting and like perverse. And upsetting. Most of what happens in this movie exists only to gross the viewer out. Yeah, both in like a gory way and also kind of like a conceptual way. Yeah. Like taking the worst parts of humanity and existence and being like, look at this. And it's just awful. It's awful to watch. And I I feel like the way that it, it goes along, like the A through Z, uh, it starts out like bad. And you're like, oh, maybe they're just kind of fronting you with all of these kind of shitty ones. Because then it'll get better. I was super wrong. They got worse. And they got more horrifyingly upsetting. It just, it really did not, most of them, I would say 90% of them, made me feel bad inside. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's totally fair. So, I liked, there are a couple of good ones here. I, I mean that when a I couple. say a couple. <laughs> but I, let's get to those as we talk about it. We're not going to talk about every one of these shorts because... There's too many of There's them, too many. and why would we want to? But some of them we do want to talk about, and so we're just going to go through. Um, but up front, just don't don't watch this movie. Just don't. It's not... No. It's really long. I wonder if... I'm actually going to check after this, because if there are specific shorts that are like on YouTube by themselves, 
we could maybe try to post them. Yeah. Uh, on our Twitter, so you can get like maybe just the good ones because there's one that everyone should watch, but you shouldn't watch the whole movie mm-hmm. just to get to that one. It's not worth it at all. Yeah. So a little bit more about the concept. The producers reached out to these filmmakers, uh, with one exception, who submitted his claymation short. Uh, but they reached out. They said, okay, what three letters would you want to do? They chose three letters. And then they did their, I don't know, whatever algorithm or filtering process they did. And then they assigned everybody a letter. So they got a letter. They got to choose both the word that they would base it off of. And then they made the short with $5,000 that they were given. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they had like a couple months. One of the interviews I read said that from start to finish, they had like six months, six weeks, and six days mm-hmm. to write it, produce it, edit it, and mm-hmm. submit it. And I'll just say, speaking of the $5,000, uh, what this movie says to me is that, like, what you could do with $5,000, and there's maybe, there's maybe a couple of these films that took their $5,000 and said, like, okay, with $5,000, we are not going to get to do, like, some really great CGI work here. With $5,000, we are going to do something more mental or more, uh, like, a psychological horror kind of thing, which I think is, like, 100% the way to go. If you got $5,000 to make a short film... Like, and it has to be horror. Horror can be so many different things. So do something, like, thoughtful and interesting. And what I would say 90% of these people did instead of their $5,000 is say, okay, well, how much bad CGI can I do for $5,000? Like, how much gross out can I do for $5,000? And that is just so, like, the wrong headspace for Mm -hmm. me. It's infuriating. Just had to say my piece about that again. Because no, it's... it's just like, if you take money into it, like, if money is an object, what do you decide to do? And the fact that most people would decide to make, like, something so shitty is, it makes me feel bad about film. It makes me feel bad about film and horror, so. Listeners, there's going to be a lot of frustration <sighs> in this episode, so be ready for that. Um, we should also say as we move through this that each short fades in on the color red and then fades out with the color red mm-hmm. into... A pool of blood that spells out in like children's alphabet blocks what the name of the short is and then underneath who directed it. (laughs) So you don't know what the word is when the short starts. What the word that inspired the short is. Um, Which is kind of like there is an element of fun in that I found. Like trying to figure out what the word could be uh, while you're watching it is like what word could have inspired this. Because some of them were kind of like obvious and some of them were like very abstract really abstract which is which is interesting i'll give this that level of credit uh, other than that there's no through line with any of these no and um, they're not all the same uh length either which was surprising yeah the other thing just before we get into this is that the directors involved in this are truly global um there's yeah. a lot of different countries represented here mm-hmm. and i would say most of these aren't in english no yeah definitely so i thought the there's a lot of Japanese, a lot of Spanish, and then a couple French, right? Yeah. I don't want to, I just want to say that up front because I don't think we're going to talk about every single director and we're not going to talk about where every single one of them is from. Nope. Uh, so just wanted to give credit up front that this isn't a bunch of white dudes in their basements in Texas and California. <laughs> Tennessee. <laughs> and Tennessee just making like real Shitty, gory yeah. bullshit. No, the, it's global. The producers reached out to uh, a very diverse uh, group of directors. Mm-hmm. Those directors just happened to be schlocky and it's still and bad. Terrible. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. All right. So we start with A is for Apocalypse, directed by Nacho Violando, who made Time Crimes 
and some other horror movies. Mm -hmm. One of the uh, more well-known directors, I'd say, in this. Oh, okay. In this collection. Yeah, I I thought this was a good one to start with actually because I didn't hate it. Uh, the one thing that I'll say that it's about a, a caretaker murdering uh, their um, patient. Patient, yeah, like an old man. Uh, and I, what I liked about it, like right up front, is just that she comes in with a knife and she's having like a really hard time and she kind of like cuts his hand and then stabs him in the neck and I, I my first thought was like wow it's interesting to see like how actually hard it might be to like murder somebody yeah just as a human being to like as a non-sociopath right to just like try to run into a room and like kill somebody and they're like trying to stop you because he wasn't like asleep or anything it was like it was awkward and weird and i like appreciated that about it i fully agree so again we're gonna give away the plots of all of these Mm -hmm. and not save the surprises uh which is the only way we could talk about this (laughs) so again we told you not to watch it so you know sorry this is the the reason that she is stabbing this old man. First she stabs him, then she goes and gets a cast iron skillet full of onions, throws the hot oil on his face, and beats him with it. Mm-hmm. And he then, does not die. It's very confusing. No, and as he's laying there dying, she like confesses and apologizes and says, I've been poisoning you for months. I was, you were just going to die and no one was ever going to know it was me. But you wouldn't die... And it wasn't supposed to be like this. And she's, like, crying. And from outside, we hear, like, cars and sirens. Um, Cars crashing into each other. Yeah. Uh, And then the the sound of a, like, uh, incoming, like, rocket. Yeah, like a missile. Yeah. Uh, And again, it's revealed at the end that it's AS4 Apocalypse. So it's this weird... I I mean, I really liked, like, the tone of... Like you said, it's like someone trying to kill someone very awkwardly... Doing a bad job a of it. Very poor job. Feeling so bad that they like they sit there. Yeah. She starts to pray almost and like is confessing to him and, there's and a, crying. There's a cool little thing where like you can hear her footsteps yeah. and the camera moves with her like as she leaves the room. It moves with her to go back to the kitchen and then back into the room. And it's it's like you don't see her. You just see inside the room. It all takes place just in this one room where the patient is. Mm-hmm. So I thought there were some really good techniques. It's not like you know oscar worthy short filmmaking but like it was a good it was well thought out and it was well done and like i said like more psychological Mm -hmm. it's gory but not overly so yeah and the fade the fade into red at the end is like the glow of red from the curtains outside again with this impending apocalypse Mm -hmm. um again i actually really like this short uh a lot of her dialogue this one is in spanish Mm -hmm. yes Uh, a lot of her dialogue is like it wasn't supposed to be like this Uh, it was supposed to be better and i find like this is the kind of short film that I wish that all of these were, which is it I leaves agree. you wanting more of the story, mm-hmm. but at the same time is so self-contained that we 100%. got what this woman is about, uh, what her you know goal is, and like the, the things that she's driven to do mm-hmm. in this moment. And I was just this started off on such a good foot. Yeah, like cool. This isn't great, but it's a short film that does what short films. They're not. There aren't that many great short films that. Um, can stand on their own. Mm-hmm. And I thought this one did as good a job as it could in this horror anthology. Yeah. It was good. It was, uh, I think what I would say more than like, it's it's amateur. And I think that like, it felt a little bit amateur, but it felt like, I don't know, honest. And mm-hmm. like I said before, like a lot of made me feel, they made me feel bad inside. This one did not make me feel bad. It made mm-hmm. me feel like positive and ready for the rest of this anthology. Mm-hmm. So B is for Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about this one? Let's just briefly, it's not like the best, but it's also no, by no means the worst that yeah. we have here. So this was directed by Adrian Garcia Boliano. 
again, apologies on the pronunciations of some of these names. I did not do research into 26 directors' <laughs> names before we started. Uh, this one's about a little girl and her cousin, who she's uh, he, he's supposed to be watching her, and instead he's like off with his girlfriend and he's trying to get her to go to sleep and she won't go to sleep. So he and the girlfriend tell her this scary story about um, the abominable abominable snowman who who will come and kill her if she's not like at least lying down trying to sleep. And it's part of this whole story of like, oh, one day here in in Mexico City, it snowed, also not in English, by the way. Um, It's it's snowed for like 40 days, doesn't she? That's that long. It snowed for a long time and the abominable snowman came and ate children and the mayor or whoever was in charge was like, We'll give you a place to live, Abominable Snowman, if you stop eating children. Um, but he still comes out and eats children every once in a while. And so um, the brother, or I can't remember which one, which one it is, the cousin or the girlfriend, but they tell her that like he rings a bell, mm-hmm. knowing that the garbage collector is on his way and that he rings a bell. So it's a very sneaky way to like scare her. Uh, into not getting up so that the two of them can have sex. Yes. And so they they tell her the story. She gets scared. They go have sex. The garbage collector is ringing the bell. The little girl is like lying in her bed, counting sheep, terrified. The garbage man comes. He rings the bell. Uh, the doorbell. Well, he rings his bell. Yes. And then he rings the doorbell. Yeah. <laughs> because he sees them fucking in the window and he needs to collect their trash. But instead he murders them. He murders the couple mm-hmm. and stands in the room with the little girl. Uh, Ominously. Ca- She's counting sheep, and yeah. then he leaves. And the, I wasn't sure. I don't what know the, what happens. Yeah, I wasn't sure what the end of it was supposed to be. I I kind of thought maybe they didn't die, and that like because then it was he's just, just a nightmare. It was just a nightmare that I wasn't sure. So that the, again, like maybe. not the best, but like interesting, and what wasn't too gory. It was just like you know. I just want to say up front, my favorite part of this is that it feels very lived in. There's a lot of details yes. about. You know, him babysitting her and all this stuff. And their story that they make up is entirely improvised. It starts with him seeing like a comic book on the floor. He's like, how can I get this kid to go to bed? Yeah. And so he starts oh, talking the about snowman. the abominable snowman. Um, but then the girlfriend is really good. She's at, so good at she's it. She's like, shut up. This thing is going to come get you for real. Like, it's really like, she does a really great job. It also features um, one of my favorite lines of dialogue from the entire movie, which is in 1958, the government made a truce with the abominable snowman, uh, which is just, it's just so fun. It's the kind of story that you tell a kid to make them stop. And it has that realism of like, you know, kid, that we have a government, like, and this happened in the past 60 or 70 years. Like, the government made a deal with the abominable snowman. It is so, it's a perfect story for scaring children. Yeah. C is for Cycle. Directed by Ernesto Diaz Espinosa. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what I mean, by the way, when I said that earlier about you have $5,000 and you need to, like, do something with it so you do something more psychological. Because mm-hmm. this was entirely, not entirely, but m- for the most part about, like, time travel and, and uh, like, psychological terror. And that is exactly what I wanted from the rest of these. Um, it was not well done. Like, it was not well shot. And the mm-hmm. camera was, like, seemed particularly bad. Um, it's it's really low quality. Very cheap. Very cheap. But it was super interesting. It's about, yeah, it's about a time loop. I don't really want to talk about it. The only thing I want to say about this is that it's called C is for Cycle. I don't know why it's not called C is for Clone. I agree. Or Copy. Or co- yeah. That's what I thought it was going to be. It's copy. about uh, clones or like clones of one person murdering himself. And it's in a cycle. Yes, absolutely. It's a time loop. It's a time loop, But I, yeah. I really thought this was a misleading title. I agree. It's fine. It is totally... 
Honestly, we're making this movie sound pretty decent so far. Just wait, It was guys. decent <laughs> up until probably, what, F? Let's do this. All right. D is for Dogfight. Directed by Marcel Sarmiento. Uh, it's about Fight Club? It's, it's Fight Club. It's Fight Club. Except that you fight a dog. Right. It's about a dude who fights a dog yeah. in a fight club. There are no words in the whole thing. Um, it's all kind of in slow-mo. It's all in slow-mo, which I found very grating. And the mu- it's like a music video because it's playing this like industrial right. music, um, <laughs> industrial style like dance music. And it's about a guy who fights a like a like a yellow lab basically. Yeah, I think he's supposed to be a mutt, but he's real cute. This he's dog. extremely cute. I made that note. Uh, like they could have picked a scarier dog. To be real, this, this is dog, dog is so cute. I don't want this dog to be fighting. No, because it's like you would see there'd be all these shots of the dog with like huge snarling teeth and you'd be like, oh, scary dog. And then there'd be a shot of the dog like tilting its head and looking at him. And I was like, get that dog out of there. He's too cute. So what what doesn't work about this for me is that I think it's again with the slow-mo and the industrial music, it looks real edgelord bullshit. Um. And there's a bunch of stuff going on that isn't explained that is clearly just to make this feel weird. Like, there's a baby There's dancing. a baby. It's so weird. It's a baby, like, dancing to the industrial dance music as this guy and has like a fist And, like, laughing fight. at the dog fight. Yeah. Having a fist fight with a, with a, with a yellow lab. Um, By the but- way, when you say fist fight, that's exactly what you mean. The dog really does not, like... I was expecting it to be so much worse of the dog, like, kind of ripping him up and him, like... I don't know, breaking the dog's neck or doing something terrible. But no, he just sort of like soft punches this dog like three or four times. I don't know if that's because like the budget for this was not high and they didn't want to show like a dog getting fucking killed or like his head bashed in. But like it, it never looks that bad. It's all kind of like, oh, slapping a dog gently in the face. Honestly. Okay. So a couple things. One, I think that ties into the plot, which I really want to talk about mm-hmm. um, what sort of the twist of it is. Uh, two, the guy playing the fighting man. All these characters have names. They're in the credits. I didn't watch the credits. I'm no, not going to stick with the credits. Uh, the, the, guy, the guy playing the fighting man is actually the dog trainer who like oh. has a relationship with his dog. And they were going to cast an actor to do it and have the dog trainer, you know, like... Be off, off screen yeah, yeah, helping. It. And they're like, well, you know what? Why don't you just do it? So... As weird as this is to say, there's like a real chemistry between that dog and the trainer because he can get that dog to do, you know, whatever. Um, And obviously they have this like loving relationship. That makes sense. Yeah. Also, uh, the twist is, and this is executed kind of weirdly again, because there's no sound or no, there's no, uh, there's no dialogue. Um, The dog gets its jaws around the guy's throat on the ground. The guy says, buddy. Um, and then we see that this dog has been missing. This dog was kidnapped. We see a bunch of like lost dog posters that say uh, "Buddy Lab Mix." If you if found, please return to uh-huh. whatever the. And then um, the guy has a dog tag for Buddy around his neck, uh, and the dog lets go and gets up and proceeds to kill all the other people enjoying this dog fight. And this guy and his dog just sort of walk out triumphant after murdering everyone, including yeah. presumably a baby. Um, I don't. I didn't he murdered everyone. I thought they just murdered the guy uh, who they were fighting. That's it? I thought so. That's what I thought. I thought they they just like, they just turned and started uh... The guy who presumably kidnapped the dog. Yes. They killed him. I didn't really get it. I got that that was the twist uh, because I actually noticed 
in the first like the first shot. Yeah. He's wearing the dog tag and you can see behind him they, there's the poster. I wanted to rewind really bad because once they got into it I was like, "What? what oh, oh, that's Buddy." Like you're like, detail. "Oh, duh, it's Buddy." And so I didn't understand why like it took an, it took until they the were owner play, saying they were play fighting. Oh, they were is that they were doing the whole that's time? That's what it is. And that's why oh, it's kind that's of soft. Why it's soft. It's okay. because they're play fighting the way that you might with a with a big dog yeah, who yeah, likes yeah. to to tussle. Cuz yeah, he he bites he bites his leg. The dog bites the guy's leg. He bites his arm. And then at one point, the guy like leans down and bites the dog on the neck, which I thought was an interesting turn because it's it's kind of showing how this guy, who you, bit his who, you, yeah, who you assume is a boxer, is kind of like starting to fight like an animal. Um, this, the first thing you see is that they're like tying up his hands, right? That you mm-hmm. think he's going to be fighting a person and then he does and he fights a dog. And so then when he does that, you're like, oh, he's going to start fighting like this dog. But yeah, that makes sense because they're not, they never actually really hurt each other. There's a little bit of blood, but nothing like that gory or bad. So this is honestly a man and his dog. one of my favorite shorts because I think that twist, I have, I have mixed feelings about the message, which is that like they end up murdering anyway. Um, right. They don't just like walk away. And I had interpreted it as they killed everyone involved in this dog fighting ring. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not that gory um, or grisly, I guess. Uh, I thought it was really like a, a fun as as odd as that sounds, a fun twist that like yeah. they were just play fighting the whole time. The the owner and the dog were like in in on it in sync. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's how I interpreted it, and I like that. I, it was mm-hmm. a fun little twist on what went on to be such a like such a gory, bloody, unpleasant movie. The fact that yeah. this has an ultimately Some light to positive it. message. Yeah. Uh, Again, I mean, a man fighting a dog, like, this starts out, like, really... I was so... Like I said, I was so stressed. I was like, yeah. please don't kill a dog. Like, that's not what I want to watch right now. But no, it turns out really well. So I just... I wanted to say, like, this is one of my favorite shorts, for sure. And I like that... Yeah. I, honestly, I like that it was a little ambiguous. Um, I wish it wasn't shot entirely in slow-mo. Right, but... it's really... It's, it's not fun. Yeah. Ease for Exterminate. Directed uh, by Angela Bettis. Um, you I, did not watch this one. I didn't watch it. <laughs> I was like two minutes ahead of you and I texted you being like, don't watch uh, E because it's about spiders. So I should I should speak for myself here and just apologize to the listeners. I've got a big arachnophobia thing. I really, really didn't like spiders. We together just watched Lord of the Rings Return of the King this weekend <laughs> and had to fast forward past the Shelob parts because yeah. I really don't do well with spiders. Yeah. So Liz, being ahead of me, warned me, and I said, you know what? There's 26 of these. Yeah. It's okay if we don't. I did actually like this one. Uh, not in the moment, but I did looking back. Um, it's essentially just about a spider stalking a man through his apartment. Um, you see from the spider's point of view, uh, the guy is, like, living his life, uh, and the spider is, like, watching him, and then you see him, you see it, like, crawl over to him while he's sleeping. He eventually kills the spider, and then you find out that the spider has, brace yourself, laid eggs in his ear, so then spiders crawl over his face. Moving on. (laughs) It actually was, it was a good, I think it was a good twist. It was, it was horrifying. If you hate spiders, it's one of the worst things you could ever possibly watch, but, uh, it was well done. That's all I'll say. The next one, I don't really want to talk about. No, it's the fucking worst. But I want to talk about it because I think it exemplifies everything that's wrong with this movie. Um, And I have more to say about it than some other ones. So, F is for Fart. Directed by... I wonder if you can hear my eyes rolling through this microphone. Directed by Noboru Iguchi, who's a sick fuck. It was the Uh, first Japanese one. I I had high hopes for it. He's the director of many porn films... 
Oh, that makes and sense. And also, I think he made Zombie Ass, Toilet of the Dead, and some other uh, fucking gross shit. So, this is... Uh, if you've ever seen any, like, surrealist Japanese sort of comedy horror, one of my favorite films of all time falls into this genre. Yeah. Uh, At the beginning, it reminded me of this. Hausu, um, from 1977. And I hate that this is working the same genre. It's a it's a lesbian romance between a teacher and a student, and the student loves farts. Uh, and they all die, and they go into a fart dimension and make out. That's it. It is so stupid. Yeah. It is, like, I, I don't know who this is for. Um, I don't what? know if there is... And this is... If there is an audience in Japan... Or somewhere for people who want this like six-year-old level of humor combined with this erotic component. Lesbian, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um <sighs> I, I don't know who that audience is. Uh may God have mercy on your soul. Because like yeah. no nobody needs this. It's 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 <sighs> I I wish that I had yeah, never watched it. You're totally this. right. It it's so juvenile, but at the same time it's so like uh fetishistic that like it's it doesn't work it's like okay if your humor is for six-year-olds then like fucking embrace that there's some there's like a couple of these that could be for six-year-olds this is not that because like it's sexual it's sexual with farts i oh yeah let's move on let's move on no uh g is for gravity directed by andrew trauke this is a this is the shortest one for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll just describe it real quick and then move yeah, it's on. like a guy. He's like got like a GoPro on his body, mm-hmm. and he uh, gets out of his car. He's driven to the beach. He gets out of his car. You see him packing rocks into a backpack, and then you see him with a surfboard, and he goes out into the water um, on his surfboard, and then throws himself into the water and sinks to the bottom. Mm-hmm. And, and it's all just shoved through his GoPro. Yeah, and it's G is for gravity. Really minimalist, really depressing, and yeah, but short. Which sure. is what, like, honestly, thank you for not making me sit through, like, and again, like five minutes of bullshit. It does nothing wrong. It's it's depressing, but it does nothing it's wrong. Sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. Yeah, and it, the, and I it was it was a cool thing of listening. Like, this was one of the ones that I thought was fun, not fun, but wow. like, no, no, interesting to try to guess what the word was. Yeah, because I was sitting there going, what could G be for? Like, D could be for drowning. Like, S could be for surfing. Like, R could be for rocks. Like, there's a million different things. And then G being for gravity, it was, like, a good kind of, like, oh. I think it's one of the better cool. better yeah. uses of the word to apply to the film. I agree. Also, just say up front, there's a similarly minimalist one later that I think doesn't execute on its concept uh, nearly as well as this one does. Mm-hmm. And so I really appreciate this one for knowing very clearly what it wants to do and then just doing it yeah. and getting in and getting out. I agree. And it's beautiful to watch because you're, it's like all the water and like it looks kind of like he's in Australia or something. Like, it's a really lovely yeah. beach. Like, I just think it did a lot of good things. Uh, it's it's not like it's hopeful, but it's it's really sad, but it's it's well done. Yeah. So H, which we'll save the title for the end, um, was directed by Thomas Malling. Yeah. This is the second one where I was like, oh no. Because I thought maybe Fart was like... You know, like one of the bad ones, and maybe it was like an an outlier. We weren't mm-hmm. gonna have a like. This is the one where I was like, "Oh fuck, what have we gotten ourselves into?" Like, this is so bad. So uh, it's it's <sighs> it's beyond bad, but in a different way, and in a way that I actually do want to discuss. Yeah, I think it's a good one to talk about. 
It starts with a voiceover of Winston Churchill. I don't think it's actually Winston Churchill. I think no, it doesn't sound like him. It's yeah. Like, we're supposed to assume that it is Winston the, Churchill. Because it's like, never surrender. And, yeah. And, and it's clearly like, it's it's scanning down a building as we're doing this. It looks very World War II. Um, so you can kind of assume that it's Winston Churchill. Then we're in a furry burlesque club. They... I, I don't know if they're, I mean, I don't know if they're furries or if they're supposed to be animals. I'm not sure, but it's it's, it's a World War II, I think they're supposed to be animals. I think this so is they're a, just anthropomorphized yes, animals, animals who fought in World War II. Yes, because... We have a dog? Specifically, the dog is, he's a, like a bulldog and he's a British soldier. Mm-hmm. Because at the, there's a part where he looks at um, a picture of Winston Churchill and Winston Churchill's also a dog. So don't think they're furries. Oh, that's this true. is a dog. This is a world of animals. It's like Zootopia, where they're like don't compare. That's what it is. Uh, they're they're animals, but they wear clothes and they fought in wars and they. But of course, this is not a cartoon. So these no. people, it's people in fursuits. Are in are in fursuits. Which they're is in, why it was they have unclear. The creepy heads with the eyes that don't move, and you can see the zipper up the back. It's mm. so, the first half of this. I want to divide this into two halves. Yeah. The first half of this I hated so much because it is a fox comes out and does a burlesque strip show and has... There's fox titties. Fox tits. And I... The bulldog's like, his eyes pop out of his head like Auga style. And it's it's But like in a fursuit. In a fursuit. It's a long strip show of this fox. (laughs) And like, I I wrote down I hate this so much. (laughs) Um, But then there's a twist. And at this point, I I'm not gonna say it got good. No, but it got it got interesting. <laughs> interesting for sure. Because the fox is a Nazi. Yeah, she is. And they're, he's they're like, like, like they're like gonna make out. Yeah, and he then she like she uncovers that she's been wearing like a swastika arm man the whole time. The dog gets punched in the balls by a machine, and then mm-hmm. his tongue gets electrocuted, and more crazy shit happens. It's all it, yeah, it's like Tom and Jerry style kind of like it is. And Except it, the, with what the people wild laughter in fursuits. In fursuits. Lest we not forget, they're in fucking fursuits. But then he looks down at his locket and he sees where it says keep calm and carry on for a, a bulldog Winston Churchill and then yeah, Winston Churchill talks to him and then he punches the fox in the mouth and then she gets electrocuted then she bashes him with a shovel and then he throws her into like into a, a pool a pool of water and electrocutes her yeah and she like disintegrates essentially so, so he wins he beats the Nazis yep then he like Sticks a cigar in his mouth and winks at the camera. Yeah. And so, of course, the whole time I'm sitting there going, what could H possibly be what for? What the fuck? Is it for Hitler? That's what I thought for a long time. Yeah. I was like, okay, if this guy got H and shows Hitler, he decided to make a movie about, like, World War II furries. Um, H, everyone, is for hydroelectric diffusion, which I assume is what happens to the fox when she falls into the water that she was actually a machine. Because you see that she's got, like, sparks coming off of her. Um... And, the, and then she, like, disintegrates in the water, I assume, because she was a machine. So she's electric, and when you're in the water, that's not good. I don't... I really don't know. I couldn't tell. The other thing, I mean, also, if you are in a pool of water... Uh, so, like, hydroelectric fusion, uh, electricity diffuses through water. So if you're in water and you get shocked, you're gonna get shocked. So it doesn't have to be a machine oh, to right, kill right, right, right. you. But she looked like she was a machine, though. When it, it melts off of her, like, her face melts off? Yeah. Which I don't think would happen just if you were electrocuted, right? No, so she's like a Terminator Nazi. I guess. Again, there's like a whole story behind this where, like, he knows Frau Scheisse before. They also, have her, like name a, is, her name is Frau Scheisse. They have, like, a... Which means shit. Oh, my God. I hate this. Oh, no. 
No, shiesty means fuck. Oh. I knew it was like an expletive. It also means shit. It just it just means like, you know, stuff's going bad for you, I guess. <laughs> it can mean any of those expletives. I think it's just an expletive. I yeah. think it literally means shit, though. Yeah. Anyway, um, this gets credit for knowing that it's stupid. Because I promise you, it does. Yeah. Uh, it ends with a bulldog beating a smoking Nazi a cigar and smoking a cigar and winking at the camera. Um, uh, it was a waste of my time. I wish I hadn't watched it. It's one of yeah. the longer ones for sure. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just like it's that random XD kind of humor. Yes. And I, which a lot of these are, I think. Like we talked about, it's like Tom and Jerry shock humor kind of stuff. Like again, this. We're front-loading this, um, because I think this movie does sort of work in these first few. Uh, and we're talking about things that work. It gets so bad that this looks good by comparison. I agree. I agree. But let's let's please move on. Yeah. I is for Ingrown. Directed by Jorge Michael Grau. Back to Spanish. Yeah, I don't want to spend a lot of time in this one, because it's one of the shorter ones. But mm-hmm. I it was one that I thought the title was an interesting uh, tie-in to the movie of, like... What could this possibly mean? Like, what does ingrown really mean? I actually don't know. I, my thought was, because I think it's basically like a woman gets tied up in her bathtub um, by a man. And there's a voiceover of, like, I am not the intruder kind of stuff. She's It's it's very, like, it's very abstract. You don't really know what's going on. But there's a lot of shots specifically meant to show that this is her house. Mm-hmm. And that somebody has come into her home and uh, tied her up and killed her. Because yes. then he injects her with something and she throws yeah, up. She and throws up a dice. She's, like, poisoned, her. yeah. Um, and the whole time I was thinking, oh, I is going to be for intruder. And then the last couple seconds of it, she's, like, wearing a wedding, a wedding ring. Yes. And I thought maybe her husband had killed her. Yeah, that's just kind of my thing too. And so ingrown could mean that like their marriage had become ingrown, like an ingrown hair, an ingrown toenail, that mm. like something small that had gotten worse and infected and then he, it had ended with a murder. And I was really interested in that. Like it's too fast to really know what really is going on and I don't know if that was the intent, but that was my thought was that like that their marriage had gone had gone awry and had gone poorly and that he had like staged it to look like someone had broken in or something. Um so again, like nothing really special. It's fine. Uh, the title was an interesting kind of twist, uh, but that's really all I have to say about it. It was it was pretty much nothing. So just quickly looked up a uh, an interview. So the director Jorge Grau, it's probably Michelle. I said Michael before. It's probably Michelle. <laughs> um, wanted to specifically do something related to um, murders of women that go unpunished um, that oh, people get away with. Cool. Uh, and this was supposed to be a man going sick with, with jealousy. Um, quote, so itchy with irritation that could be understood as the jealous rage that led to murder. Also the word impunity in Spanish starts with I. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I think this works better in Spanish because apparently like the way that her voiceover is structured has to do with I as well. Oh, cool. Um, each of her sentences or utterances. Begins with I. Begins with an I. That's really cool. Um, so the idea of the letter I appears on several levels, not just in the murder. So it is sort of about like ingrown, like jealousy. Yeah, I just such. thought the idea of the word, the word ingrown rather than a, a different I word was really cool because, like you said, yeah. the irritation, ir- the irritation that like yeah. festers and becomes something bad is just. I was very interested in that, and I, it's cool. To, I, I, I thought it was well thought out. It's a, it's yeah. a pretty good one. You spoke to everything I want to say about this, other than um, this was really unpleasant to watch in such a starkly different way in a. Good way. In a good way. In Absolutely. the way that like horror movies make you uncomfortable. This was again, especially coming off of the weird humor of the previous short. Yeah. This was like, God, this sucks to watch this woman die in this bathtub. But like It means something. This person is is trying to do something. Yeah. And I 
I thought this was like it was well done. I appreciated it. I just saw, by the way, looking that up, that uh, Jorge Grau is the director of We Are What We Are, another podcast. Oh, yeah, that's fun. So it, it doesn't surprise me that he made uh, a decent, yeah, a decent little short. Totally. J is for Jedigaki. Yeah. Okay. You're gonna. Yeah. Thank uh, you for saying it because I was gonna butcher it. Which the title card at the end uh, specifies specifies a samurai movie. Uh, my understanding is that that's not quite correct. It's like a specific like subgenre, usually set during the Edo period. Well, they uh, weren't going to say all that on the title card. I've watched too many Kurosawa films. <laughs> um, it's directed by Yuda Yamaguchi. Uh, it's fairly simple. It's like a, a man is trying is going to execute another man, and while he's trying to do that, all right, all right. So a samurai is about to be executed. He has committed the first half of seppuku. He has um, cut his his stomach and. Mm-hmm torn it horizontally and the guy who was set there to behead him is trying to behead him but is hesitating because the guy about to be executed is laughing laughing or he like holding himself back from laughing mm-hmm. and so every time the it's just shots intercut between the executee and the executor mm-hmm. and the executor the ex- is like really nervous yeah and the executee it it will continue flashing back and the first few he just has a normal face, but he's just trying not to laugh. The next few, they look kind of like paper mache, like uh, faces that are screwed up into like silly and like yeah, very bizarre. bizarre detail of like someone trying not to laugh. It reminded me of like anime. It yeah. was like essentially what it would look like if it was animated was like these kind of like large head with tiny eyes or eyes bulging or eyes bulging. Like, but but it was done uh, with like. Paper mache, right? Didn't it look kind of like paper yeah, mache. Yeah, it was definitely practical yeah, effects. Pr- definitely practical effects, absolutely. So it's just a sequence of. Eventually, the executioner gets Does his it? nerve and mm-hmm. kills him. The guy has a silly face in death, and then the executioner laughs. Yep. Yeah, what yeah. it is. Don't have to say much more about that one. Mm-mm. So K is for Klutz. Directed by Anders Morgenthaler. We're not going to talk about this one. It's just, it's about sentient killer poop. Um, it is animated. It's animated. Like hand drawn animation. It's. Uh, no. I don't want to talk about it. No. L is for libido. Directed by Timo Jajanto, who is Indonesian. Mm-hmm. So this is an Indonesian one. This is one of the longer ones. Uh, it, do you want to talk about this one? I think this is one of the more interesting ones. I yeah. know that we've... We said we were going to skip past a lot, and we've skipped past very few. But I think this is one of the standouts I agree. in my memory. I agree. Uh, it's about... Like, a man wakes up, and he's tied up. Uh, to a chair. A, to a chair, but like straps across his chest on his feet, on his arms, or he has one one arm free, I assume. Yes. Um, And he's next to a man who is tied up in a similar way. There's people watching with masks. From a balcony. They're kind of like in an amphitheater kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, A woman uh, in a kimono is watching, but another woman comes out and she's naked and she starts kind of standing there. So the two men are facing a stage. Mm -hmm. Next to the stage is a woman in a kimono in an armchair observing. Watching. Um, But the two strapped in men are facing the stage continue uh a woman comes out onto the stage and she's naked and she's she doesn't quite start performing yet but she's just gonna standing there for them and the two men have to masturbate yes and whoever finishes first uh lives. does lives and the other one gets a spike uh from underneath the chair it impales them uh, up through the other head um so the main guy the one who are kind of supposed to be following through this he uh finishes first Many, many, many times. Twelve. We see... Oh, is it twelve? Mm-hmm. We see him, like, have to... He The woman is dancing. Uh, 
many other things happen where like it kind of you you can tell that it kind of ramps up every time i don't really talk about the specifics because they're gross sure they're gross uh but then the woman the woman in the kimono dies she like gets accidentally impaled when the machine doesn't work yeah um but then she it does work and she's standing right there so it impales her instead um the next one is stage 13 i forget that they show us on the bottom yeah Yeah. i was wondering why you knew that i was like how do you know they keep track they keep track track. um so of course, obviously, there's a performative aspect to this that the people on the balcony are watching all of this for these masturbation amusement. races. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it gets grosser. Grosser stuff happens where like he wakes up at one point and like he's next to this guy who's supposed to look real creepy, and uh, there's some like, do we want to talk about it? So it's the it's the one after the woman dies. Yeah. Um, there is a. There's child molestation yeah. happening on stage in front of him. And, there's and they're a, supposed to masturbate to it. And the guy next to him does uh, it. Loves it, actually. Uh, but our protagonist, himself. our protagonist refuses. Yeah. Um, he passes out. Mm-hmm. Or actually, They um, drug them, don't they? Yeah, so I also forgot. Like, while he's refusing to... While this this finally crosses the line for him, Yeah. Um, he like looks around the room and there's a deer head like mounted on the wall that like comes alive and smiles and winks at him. Oh, yeah, it does. Um, which I thought was super out of character for this very dark short. Yeah. Uh, there's also the eye in the kimono woman's vagina, too, so... Oh, yeah, because there's one point where he he doesn't want to do it anymore, but he looks over at the kimono woman, and she starts, like, titillating him. Yeah. Um, That's right before she dies. So then he wakes up, and he is with a woman in a bed. In a white room. He's yeah. handcuffed to the bed. Yeah, and uh, she starts having sex with him. And we don't know yet at this point, like... Is he being rewarded or is he being punished? Yeah. And then we find out he's being punished because she kills him with a chainsaw uh, while fucking him. He's on stage. Yeah. And he's on two men masturbate, masturbate to it. Yeah. So, like, it's horrible to watch. Uh, just gross and bad feeling. Again, adding to my feeling bad. But it's thoughtful. It's trying to yeah. say something about you it's know, horrifying. performance and uh, sexualization of, you know fetishes and, yeah yeah and these people and watching performance anxiety to some extent like, yeah and the 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 movie definitely wants you to be on the side of this man who is trying his best to like remain remain moral, moral yeah uh in this horrible situation but that it, the movie wants you obviously to hate the people who are watching this with fascination uh it's but it's still pretty horrible to watch i'll say that m is for miscarriage directed by ty west uh director of house of the devil and the Sacrament, and many other fantastic horror films. Yeah, wait, what's up with that? This yeah. one's not good. No, I expected a lot better of I agree. Of him. Oh, damn. Okay, well, it's it's the shortest. I'll say, you know, it's, it's probably the second shortest next to uh, the Gravity. one. Gravity. Uh, it's weird. It's like a woman, and she uh, went to the bathroom, and then she's looking for a plunger because she thinks, I guess we're supposed to be the toilet's overflowed or something. Then she goes back and looks in it, and it's bloody, and then it's like Emma's for miscarriage. I really don't get that. So I guess it was the fetus? I don't get that. Like she just miscarried? Yeah, but I don't get that. Because, like... No. You would know. Yeah. You'd feel it. Yeah. And then you wouldn't be like, the toilet's going to overflow. Oh, no. What? A miscarriage? Like, that's not how miscarriages work? She could be being haunted by her miscarriage. Maybe. I don't know. It was, it was poorly done. Again, this is the other minimalist short I was referring to earlier. I don't think it executes. I don't no, think this... Make sense. Um, it needed maybe one more scene and that would be enough yeah. to explain why this is happening. Yeah. It said it's just kind of weak. Nope, it's dumb. Expect a better from you, Ty. <sighs> and as for nuptials. Once again, I must apologize. Um, 
tie names aren't super easy for me, so I'm very sorry. This was directed by Banjong Pisanthakun. Uh, I'm, I'm trying here. I'm really yeah. sorry. Uh, this one's fine. It's about like a man who brings a bird to his uh, girlfriend. The bird says cute things, and then the bird reveals that the man has It's a has parrot. Been... Parrots are oh, the birds right. that talk, famously. It doesn't look like a parrot. Uh, famously, parrots talk. Oh, that's a parrot. Uh, the parrot starts at first saying cute things, and then asks the girlfriend to marry the boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're so happy, it's so cute, and then um, she's chopping vegetables as she does, as they do this, by the way, and then the bird starts to... Blow up his spot and uh, <laughs> reveal his infidelities. His his uh, side lady, and uh, starts, like, imitating the sex that they've had the night yeah. before, I assume, and so then she kills him with a butcher knife. It's, it is it is what it is. I thought it would have been really good, like, not a bad little skit, if it weren't for the end, which is that blood splatters on the camera and it looks really fake. Yeah, it's dumb. Honestly, literally any other way of showing that she murders him, I would have, like, rated this one pretty highly. Yeah. But it ended up being disappointing. It's like, it's a, it's a skit. It's, it's a, it's yeah. a goofy little it's one. It's silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the premise isn't bad that like he bought this bird to try to propose, but. And then the bird listened to him having sex and yeah. then reveals it. It's, yeah, it, it's silly. It's cute. I actually wrote my, my notes. It would have been pretty good if it weren't for that clunky fucking tomato soup ending. Yeah. Oh, it looks like tomato soup for sure. Yeah. Uh, O is for orgasm. Directed by Hélène Caté and Bruno Forzani. This is like completely conceptual it's a woman uh getting eaten getting head and um she's in a chair that's leather so you can hear the leather moving actually the best part of this so this is when people make fun of french films this is what they're talking about a hundred percent yeah it's 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 very like i said conceptual abstract abstract it's like shots of like cigarettes burning and bubbles popping yeah a cigarette is they show a cigarette being driven into the body of a barbie doll Mm mm-hmm um, bubbles are coming out of her mouth and then bursting. Um, it's, it's just all that kind of stuff. And then it ends with her like climaxing. Um, and she gets like choked with a leather belt. Yes. The leather belt runs like up her body. And Presumably to death. No, this is what I'm thinking. Uh, this is what I said earlier about how they all have to do with death. The little death. Is it's the little death, Le Petit Moore, uh, which I am now super interested in this, that somebody went, oh, okay. I have O. I have orgasm. I'm French. I'm French. <laughs> the orgasm is the little death. I love that now. Voila, I'm, I'm French. I'm like super into this now. Uh, yeah. It's it's actually, it's beautiful to watch. It's really beautiful. Uh, I like it a lot more now that you've said that. Actually. Yeah, I think it's actually, it's really cool. So I'm, I'm cool that I like it a lot. I wrote, I'm sure there's meaning here, but I don't want to give it the benefit of the doubt. I'm glad that you have figured it out. Yeah, I, like um, it a lot. I liked it a lot, actually. And I really like the sound of the creaking on leather because it's very irritating because that's a, such a weird visceral sound. It's oh, specific. I liked it. I liked it a lot. It was very like, no, like ASMR for me. Okay. Um, <laughs> I thought it was very visceral and like very effective. Very what effective. Trying to do. Absolutely. Uh, I, it was not ASMR for me. I was like, I love the sound oh, of boy. leather creaking. Yeah, no, so that was a fine one. Yeah. Again, it really is, like, so out there that it's like, okay. Yeah. P is for Pressure. Directed by Simon Rumley, who is a British director, but this was filmed in South America somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I read that it was supposed to be Brazil, um, was okay. what they were trying to portray. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about a sex worker. She's trying to provide for her children. Um, do you want to talk about this one? Uh, I don't you particularly really want to. You really did not like it. I know that you texted me being like, can we stop? <laughs> uh, this is, it's a really, it's a really minimalist one. It's just a lot of like really quick cuts. 
Um, I didn't. It's not minimalist. I wouldn't call it minimalist. It's simple. It's it's very slice of life. I would say. Um, Again, the way that it's shot, there's like no narrative, um, like through line. Yeah, it's a lot of like you get really two, quick little two shots, seconds yeah. of a scene and then mm-hmm. it moves on. I didn't like this. I thought that I get what it's trying to do. After we we should have talked about it off mic, but we did. Yeah, but you you were really upset. Um. I don't really want to talk about it. If you want to talk about it, I will. I'll just listen. I'll just say briefly because I think it was one of the ones that was really trying to say something, and it was trying to say something with a little bit too much like shock value. But I appreciate what it was trying to say, which is that she's a sex worker. She really wants to buy a bike for her child, and at one point she has like almost enough saved up to buy this bike for her daughter's birthday, and uh, then someone comes and steals it. It could be maybe her pimp. It's possibly maybe the father of her children. We're not really sure how this how they know this man, but he's in a, a second of it before, and the children seem to like him, which is why they let him in the house to steal from her. Um, so then there's a shot of her, like, sobbing because they have no money and she can't, you know, pay for... She can't give her daughter, like, a nice birthday. And then we see that she's met this man before who gave her his card, and she calls him, and he brings her to this warehouse and dresses her up, and he makes her do... Uh, some pretty bad shit on camera, like kill a kitten. And so it's like fetish shit. And but he pays her a lot. And then the next thing we see after she does this is that she's at a playground watching her daughter ride around on a bike. So it's horrible. It's really upsetting. Um, but I I appreciated that it was at least trying to kind of talk. It was clearly trying to make a statement about like the lives of sex workers uh, not belonging to them sometimes. And uh this woman trying to provide for her children and having to do some messed up shit to get there. And I thought that was, it was sad, uh, but it was clearly had a point. Pressure, unlike a lot of the other ones. Pressure is a good title for it. Oh yes, absolutely. That the, the P stands for pressure. I was worried it was going to stand for prostitute and I was like, don't do that. Uh, but it was pressure. And I appreciated that, that it was about like the pressure that she feels as a mother uh, and ha- having to do some terrible stuff. So I, I thought it was, you know, it, it was saying something like a lot of these were not. So a kitten, was killed not really but i watched yeah i was like (laughs) i watched a kitten kitten was actually killed i watched a kitten die in fiction and as such it was trash and i hate it and i'm mad i think that's that's a fine way to feel it's how i would have felt if that dog and dog fight died q is for quack directed by adam wingard right now our boy i would like everyone (laughs) to pause this podcast go and watch it i just checked it is on youtube oh i'm gonna post it on twitter then uh Please watch this. It's the best. This is the best short in the entire film. Absolutely. Bar none. If you're not going to watch it, we're going to talk about it. It's directed (laughs) by Adam Wingard, presumably also written by Simon Barrett as... The team. As the team. Uh, One of our favorite teams. Absolutely. The New Blair Witch, The Guest, You're Next. Uh, They're the best. I'm like smiling so big right now because I've just been waiting to get to this one. Like, I love them and they're the only reason that I even wanted to watch this movie in the first place. So they appear in this short as themselves... Um, arguing about like what they're gonna do because they they hate that they got cute yeah they're, they're like, so it's a, mad they're like what does he say he's like this is specifically like because they hate you yeah like this is a what is it feels like the, a professional disappointment or something yeah like that. They, they, they like and they're they're arguing about like got even Nacho Violando got higher billing on the <laughs> announcement like <laughs> oh you're billed last yeah. on the on the uh, the press release because his last name is W yeah um it's so funny and they're completely like what what the fuck can we do with five thousand dollars like. What, what are we doing here? It's so funny. And then they start talking about how they have to do something for shock value. 
Uh, because, so they're gonna actually which, kill. Which, of course, in this whole span, is like that's what everybody else did. So it kind of feels like a little bit like they're making fun of the idea of doing it's, it for shock. It's really meta. So they're like, it's yeah, yeah, so meta. We're gonna be the only one in which like there's an actual an animal's death. gonna actually die, and then they're like, well, what can we no, kill? Cause, no, because what they say is they're like, we're gonna have an actual death, and they're like, yeah. Oh, nobody cares about animals. We can kill animals. <laughs> um, which again, like coming off of this one where they watch it, a kid be murdered. I it immediately because the tone is so different. I was just like, oh my god! Like it's, it's just relief. It's it really relief. feels. I can't imagine they were because they had to make this before they saw this. Mm-hmm. It feels like they're making fun of it. Does everyone else? It does. And so then they're like, well, it's like what what animal could we kill? And I think they like there's like some talk of like they can't kill an animal that everyone loves. So well, also they need it. Oh, and he's related to Q. So actually, the the best moment maybe is they're like, God, what could. What can we do with Q? Hard cut to they're in a desert. They've got a duck in a cage. <laughs> it's just the two of them, a camera, and this boom guy. And this boom operator. Is it, uh, Juan, is that his name? I think his name's Juan. I think so, too. And so then they're like, they've, they've both got guns. Uh, Adam sets up the camera, and they both have their guns, and they're going to go over and shoot this duck in its cage. Oh, he tries to be like, oh, this duck's so cute, and it bites him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're like, okay, fuck this duck. And they both get their guns out. Uh, they're gonna about to shoot the duck. And then, which one of the, is it? Adam is like, just can't figure out how to uh, well, Adam, get the safety off. Adam doesn't want to do it. So uh, Simon, he's like, Adam's like, oh, can you just can you just do it? Like, please, like, I know this is my thing. Like, I'm directing it. But I don't want to do it. But I don't want to do it. We do it. And Simon's like, fine. So he tries to shoot, but the safety's on. Um, I don't want to skip over my favorite my favorite part. I was laughing out loud. So was I. Uh, which is. Ducks die all the time for food. Yeah, <laughs> this is you, America. You're the real killers, not us. <laughs> I was dying. It's so good. It's so uh, funny. So It's so dry. Simon's gun jams, and he's like, what the fuck? I don't even know what side it's on. And they end up accidentally shooting each other. Yeah, they, sh- they both shoot each other. Um, and then the boom guy just runs off Runs the away. That's when I was laughing out loud. Is It's like a shot of the two of them lying on the ground. Uh, having shot each other, and then it's a quick shot to Juan the Boom guy, just full up, full pelt, running away. <laughs> Listen, it was the best one. It was so funny. I love them so much. I'm so glad. I was so worried that I was gonna like hate them after this movie, but I just love them more. I know. I. It was so good. I'm oh so thankful God. that they exist and <sighs> that they make films. I love him. Though this is a, a decent time to say. Our dearest Adam Wingard uh, obviously has a close relationship with Netflix, having just directed Death Note for... Oh, he did do that. Yeah, which got a lot of negative press, and I'm a little afraid to watch. People said that the demon was really good, though. Like the... Like Lakeith Stanfield's character? Yeah. Oh, L. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I will watch it at some point. I know that Simon didn't write it. Um, but I, I... We would be remiss on our Netflix we'll podcast our, if we didn't bring up that... Our boys. Yeah. And Edwin Gard's, he's a good. Mm-hmm. R is for Removed. Directed by Srdan Spezajevic, I Something think. Something like that. Uh, who directed uh, a Serbian film, which is a famously horrifying movie that people on the internet will tell you to watch when you're mm. young and you want to see some fucked up shit. Well, this was some pretty fucked up shit. Anyone, any, I'm sure many of our listeners know what a Serbian film is. Um, probably haven't watched it because why would you do that? Subject yourself to that. I don't even really remember what uh, it is. It's just like one of the like real infamous, like I think there's like necrophilia in it or something. Um, 
Yeah, it's just like really gross no, when people talk about the grossest movies. Well, this one was pretty gross. Uh, to be honest, I didn't really understand any any part about it. I don't really know why it's called Removed because it was just so gross that I pretty much had my eyes closed the whole time. So if you understood this one any more than I did, you can totally take over. Basically, it's about a man who has rolls of 35 millimeter film under his skin. They have to surgically remove it. Um, he has lots of fans he's who want to yeah. touch and lick his skin, but he's trapped in this hospital bed providing film to people, I guess, or like he is, they need to extract this from him. Um, he breaks free. He kills a bunch of people. He pushes a train. He dies. It rains blood. Oh yeah. It rains blood. Be good. Yeah. Let's I didn't on. really get it. Did you want to say other things about it? No, it's fine. Are you sure? No, it's fine. I thought it was okay. It was really pulpy. I like that it was pulpy. Um, and I think it had a message, but I don't know what it was. Yeah. This I, is one of the ones that I didn't read an interview about, unfortunately. Yeah, I think it really could have done something interesting if it if not for the gross out factor. And I think that's why I'm like, I blame it for uh, caring more about being gross than saying something. It doesn't help that it's followed by S is for Speed, directed by Jake West, which is one of my favorites of the whole thing. Okay. So this is like a some kind of like... The colors are super saturated. We're in the desert. We got one woman has another woman at gunpoint trying to leave this this building. They're both dressed all sexy. They're both dressed sexy. One has like a pompadour. It looks mm-hmm. like a My Chemical Romance music video. Yeah, it, I thought it was like a video game. It looked like a video game to me. Yeah, yeah. Or like, like even... Video game-esque. There's probably another film that I'm thinking of that it like has totally the tone of. Mm-hmm. It's the same kind of um, just like washed out, hyper, hyper color uh, that just makes it like look so pulpy and comic booky. Yes, and it's really intense. It's all like guns and this guy is all in all black and he's got like a pig face and it's all kind of like it's really yeah. heightened Everything's so these women heightened. like are, are trash talking each other this one woman puts the other one in a trunk at gunpoint pulls out a flamethrower uh sets the big guy black guy, sets on fire. This guy in a black hood and like with a deformed monster face on fire mm-hmm. there's like a car chase across the desert uh her license plate says my other right is your face yep <laughs> um she finds music on the radio like some rock music has to outrun this dude this is campy nonsense, and I loved it. I was, like, super excited. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, the guy catches up with her. She offers the woman in the trunk to say, take her, not me. Uh, the guy says, it's not your time. You can't run forever. So I guess it's supposed to be death is what we figure out. Yeah, and he's, cause he's saying, like, you know, you're you're the one who's given me the most mm-hmm. uh, run for my money. Like, you, you have take, you know, you've done such a good job, but it's time to come with me now. Uh, he touches her and she like falls and as she falls the scene changes to like a warehouse in squalor there's just like trash everywhere we see the other girl also lying on the floor next to her um and it becomes clear very quick that they were tripping on heroin Mm -hmm. and that she's uh, died and she has now overdosed and the other girl's like oh shit pulls some heroin out of like her her bra Mm -hmm. uh cooks it and that's the end of it. it it's it's real sad yeah, it's very. Uh, it was really it, the concept of this is very well done, right? Yeah. That it's like a metaphor for tripping and then for death that they're trying to outrun death. And S is for speed. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. S speed is... being the pun of drugs and and yeah. also the car. Uh, it was really cool. The thing I will say that I don't like about it um, is I don't like the kind of like the girls are dressed all sexy and then by the time they get into the heroin den where they they are, it's so disgusting. And the place where she's shooting up on her arm is like horrifyingly grotesque and there's just shit everywhere it's it, it felt like again probably I, I don't remember which one i said this about before but like you could accomplish this without being so over the top i guess i mean i think it's trying to 
say that like you know addiction is grotesque yeah well i guess it's more maybe it's just more the girls dress sexy thing that felt specifically not true to the story um and it's felt felt specifically exploitative i guess um yeah i could see that it's kind of what i was talking about before of like this movie kind of being what i don't like about horror and the exploitation of women in horror is such a problem that them being like dressed sexy and calling each other bitch and doing this whole kind of like performative like this is how tough women act and like we're tough and sexy so we're gonna be really fucking mean to each other and also be wearing like huge boots in the middle of the desert is just like no i don't disagree um i do think that the reasons have nothing to do with horror and more to do with like comic book style excess like it makes you think of like sucker punch or something yes. where it's somebody like sort of like hard edged and also sure. like performance sexuality. Sure, less horror and more action than I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't. It's just... also a problem in horror. I guess I'm just like con- con- I'm conflating yeah. women in film problems. I guess like the whole thing. A hundred percent. I don't disagree. Um, I just I guess I just bought it as as the genre that they were going for. It's totally it absolutely. And like I said, like I think it's saying something really good and interesting. It's just that it felt it got to that point where I was like, all right, you're just doing what everybody else is doing and like exploiting women and. Uh, like torture porn kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. T is for toilet. Directed by Lee Hardcastle. We don't really need to talk about this one either. It's claymation. Um, it's about potty training and it's about a nightmare and a toilet coming to life and it's bullshit. I don't... It looks like... it. Uh, this one... Uh, I saw when I read like the Wikipedia that this was a contest winner. Yeah, so they had a contest to determine who would direct the 26th film um, and this won. I don't I know don't, why. I don't know why. It, like... It, I can't tell if the claymation is really that bad or if it's like on. It's supposed to be purposefully bad because it's really bad. It look looks like a ten year old made it. Like it really does, and it and not in a fun way. Like in a in a bad way. In a like this was not. I I would watch this if it was my ten year old cousin to show that I was proud of them, but not like for any other reason. Um, and it like it, it's pretty shitty to watch. It just like isn't fun. Uh, like it's it's about a fucking toilet demon and. Then, like, a dad laughs and while his son's head gets crushed by a toilet. So, like, it's not good. Bad claymation, bad concept. <sighs> Potty humor! Why? Why? Anyway. You is for Unearthed. Directed by Ben Wheatley, um, who made Kill List and then more recently Free Fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is another GoPro one. Yeah, I actually like this one. I, I like it a lot, too. I think this works. Um in particular because nothing in it tells you what's going on. It is all GoPro from the head of something being... Attacked. And then chased and then killed. Mm-hmm. Um, but you slowly realize over time because it's there's like four men chasing him and one is a priest. Um, and so there's a guy chasing him trying to stab him. The priest is trying to throw holy water and say some, you know, mm-hmm. Latin... Um, so you start realizing, like, oh, this is a... Mo- oh, you hear, like, screeching also. Yeah. Whatever's wearing the GoPro is kind of screeching. So you know that they're a monster, but they have human hands. So it's like, you're wondering the whole time, like, what could this be? That's the crazy thing. So, like, a flaming arrow gets shot and uh, launches the arm. arm. And that's that's a big moment because you're like, okay, I thought this was, like, a monster. But it's no. his, his hands. Uh, and they eventually catch it and they put a stake in its heart. Mm-hmm. Cut off its head. you figure out that it's a vampire. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was pretty cool. It's really cool. And it's really... It's a subtle way to do this. Uh... You know, V is next, but V is not for vampire. Um, right. But that someone found a way to do a vampire film in yeah. this horror anthology. You could also be for Undead, which I thought was cool. 100%. Yeah. But no, it's really subtle. Unearthed is a really good way of going about it that yeah. they have dug up this vampire. Yeah. Um, again, I like it's, it a lot. It's really tight and not flashy 
and really simple. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. So kudos. Again, Ben Wheatley is a good director, so I'm not super surprised. It also has, I think, the most famous actor in the movie, which is Michael Smiley, who's the priest. Oh, I didn't realize that. Uh, yeah, and he's in. He's been in everything. He's yeah. he's in a bunch of Ben Wheatley movies, which is why I'm sure he made his way into right. this. Right. <laughs> uh, but most as of a the, favor, probably. <laughs> most of the faces in this anthology are not familiar. Yeah. Um, and he was he was one. Yeah. V is for forgive me if I pronounce this wrong, but vaginas. Yes, which okay. means it's a Latin word meaning the cry of a newborn baby. Mm-hmm. Directed by. Har Andrews. Uh, this is, oh, we should say straight up, this is a sci-fi short. Yeah. Not, there's nothing horror to do with this, really. Uh, there's horror elements, but it is mostly sci-fi. Um, it starts off with a, a card saying, New Vancouver, 2035 AD. There's a lot of plot to this. This is the one, this isn't my favorite short by any means, but this absolutely demands... Uh, something bigger than the five minutes. Yes, it it could um, be a full movie or series, really. It is bursting at the seams with plot, and I thought it was executed really well in that regard of giving us a lot the of information. The slow reveal was very was really well done. But also expecting us to fill in the gaps. I mean, like, the villain is Commander Stoker. We don't know anything about him. He's got, like, a skull mm-hmm. tattooed on his face, but, like, he could, like, have been in... We could have had previous interactions with him as a viewer. Yeah. I thought it, like, works really well. Anyway... The gist of this is that it's about a cop who, not just any cop, she's part of the propagation control because mm-hmm. the world is dying and they sterilize infants and you have to earn... Your right to have a baby. Your right to procreate mm-hmm. um, by applying for permits and stuff. You have to like... Or being uh, being a cop, which is what she's done. She's like specifically becoming part of this brigade so that she can have a baby. So she, with her robot friend Nesbitt, um, bust into this warehouse and there's a big shootout and they kill a bunch of people, mm-hmm. uh, which she feels weird about. Uh, well, yeah. And one of them, uh, uses a power to like Jedi mind trick her. Yeah. So, um, it's like, these aren't the droids you're looking for. Move away. We're not here. You're going to let us go kind of stuff. Yes. But the robot is not fooled mm-hmm. and kills them and the baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then commander Stoker comes in and starts monologuing about how he's going to harvest their brains because they're telekinetic they powers yeah yeah yeah. and this is like the mentals right mentals yeah again like there's a there's whole a terminology universe in this world like there it's it's really fleshed out um but they had telekinetic powers and they were going to find a particularly powerful one called the prophet and this group was going to find the prophet they were yeah, going to yeah. go to isn't it called vatic yeah vatic. It. yeah vatican <laughs> very well done uh they were gonna go find the prophet but then who was who it that tells her that the baby is the prophet? Uh, a man lying on the floor. Oh, he's dying. And he's yeah, like, yeah. the baby is the prophet. Um, um, and he's like a particularly powerful... Oh, she also can't have children. That's like what was... It's it's revealed yeah. that like she was she joined this force to have a baby. And then they get to the point where they're like, yay, you've you've done your time, time of a baby. But also, you're infertile, so you can't. Yeah. So but they would let you, but you're not... You're right. Physically can't. Um, a lot of work went into this short. This was, oh, yeah. again, this was all $5,000... It was almost all uh, stuff that they did themselves. The robot is practical. Um, I read an interview with the director. He like built it in his basement. Wow. Uh, yeah, and it looks pretty good. I mean, it doesn't it does. look like divergent or something like that has millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. But no, it's good for five thousand. Yeah, and I was I was impressed by this. Um, again, I don't know that it has anything particularly nuanced to say. No. It is interested in like 
fertility and like population control, but doesn't come to a conclusion about it. Commander Stoker is ultimately kind of just like a mustache twirling villain. Yeah, because it's 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 essentially like the opposite of Handmaid's Tale, where like children aren't prized and precious. They're like there's too many of them, and I don't know what that would mean. Like there's too many children, so that's why they sterilize them. Like that is it hasn't gone into of why this infant propagation act mm-hmm. has been enacted. But of course they don't really have the time for it, so that's kind of fine. It's a five minute short. Definitely well done. They did really well for yeah. the time and money that they had. W is for WTF <sighs> exclamation point. Let's talk about this for two seconds because I really did not care at all. It's the same kind of concept of quack. Um It was directed being... by John Schnapp. I don't even care. Okay. <laughs> I don't like him at all. He makes me mad. It's the same thing of like, what am I going to do for W? Like, I have all these W could be for werewolf or witch or whatever. But then it just turns into this like ridiculous apocalypse, like fever dream. And it is just like, it's the it's exactly what I was saying about speed where he's like, oh, there's going to be a really sexy girl and she's covered in blood. And it's like, you are what I hate about horror. You are really honestly like, you're doing what I hate right now, which is just like exploitation and nonsense and but but making it gross and scary. I actually disgusting. I wasn't planning on talking about this, but I disagree very, very strongly with you. I will say up front that um, it starts with like an animated bit um, about a warlock and characters named Williford and Wendy and something she's naked her boobs are huge and i was immediately like i mean it's very it's very heavy metal um it's like death chasm no 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 no, like heavy metal the the movie slash old magazine sorry uh and i really was like oh this is like this is some super metalocalypse shit uh and i looked at the director and he is a he has directed uh, a bunch of metalocalypse he's not like the creator um because that's brendan small but they he has worked on metalocalypse and the tone of this whole short is a hundred percent like the most adult swim 1am shit I've ever seen in my life. It's yep. very much like the kind of Tim and Eric, uh, sort of irreverence. And I think parts of this really, really work. The meta aspect of them trying to figure out, um, what they're going to do for W I thought was really funny. The way that it's cut together of them going through walrus, warrior, wheelchair, of them trying to like spitball ideas. The guy be like, no, this is terrible. Or being like, okay, cool, let's do that. And be like, no, I don't really like that idea. I thought it was like really, really well executed. I think it's done poorly because they're both such bad actors. And And that's why it just doesn't come across. And also maybe that we've already seen Q and Wingard and Bear do it better. Again, it's not their fault that Q comes early in the alphabet and someone had uh, some idea. Again, the other thing that I think works about this is that the... What ends up being... Again, it, it, it like totally devolves into manic... Again, adult swim, Tim and Eric randomness with like green screened heads rolling it around. It's like XD at, random. At all kinds, yes, but the premise that leads to that, and maybe I'm giving this a little too much credit, but I want you to hear me out here, is what they're talking about is that their terrible ideas are being made manifest in this world. So they, as creators of stupid things, are like responsible for this apocalypse. Um, and I think that, like, there are, there are a lot of pieces of media that do that idea better. A hundred percent. I'm not disagreeing there. But I think that this knows what weird, campy bullshit it is. And because it extends the meta aspect, not just to them creating it, but to they have created this apocalyptic event because they just toss all these stupid ideas out there. That, like, the short knows are stupid. It knows that everything they come up with is stupid. A hundred and fifty percent. I guess I just don't think that excuses it. I mean, excuse it, but, like, I just think you, you don't like what it's doing 
Um, whereas I don't, I don't think it needs excusing. I like, think that there's parts of it that are supposed to be funny and amusing. I don't think it's supposed to be scary at all. It's supposed to be like funny yeah. and and I think that people who think this is funny, the, like the people who made this, who like this is their humor. I don't think I don't agree with that. I don't like. It's just not the humor that I enjoy. Again, I don't think you have to like the humor. I don't like a lot of. I mean, I find a lot of that like Adult Swim shit like really hit or miss. Yeah, I'm saying I think I think but you I have think to like the, the humor to enjoy the this. meta aspect of like chemtrails and clown zombies and like this being things that people cooked up and then are now coming to life. I like that concept. The execution might not be all there, but I think that they know what they're doing and. They never. They knew that they were never going to make anything serious, so they're like trying to embrace the bullshit and then making it meta. And I, I think hear you. that I just works. Think they did a bad job. I think it works. It doesn't work. Okay. It's three minutes of garbage. I wouldn't ever watch it again, and I wouldn't recommend that people watch it. But I understand why they did it, and I respect them for it. That's I think fine. it's it's in the top half of shorts in this by far. Mm. X is for XXL, directed by Xavier Gens. I like this one. Uh, it's about a woman, uh, an overweight woman in France, and she's like on the train, and then she's walking home, and everyone's being really shitty to her, um, calling her fat and making fun of her, and just being horrible. So she goes home to her apartment, and she's watching this commercial for like of a, a skinny woman in a bikini, like talking about how she stays fit for the summer or whatever, and overcome by all of the you know shit that's been thrown at her that day in her entire life. She, like, binges on all the food in her fridge and then goes into the bathroom, uh, throws up, and then begins cutting the fat off of herself. Um, it's horrifying. With a knife. With a knife. And then with a, a electric... Yeah. Um, she stands in the shower and does it. And at the end, after she's done it, she opens the shower curtain. She steps out. She is skeletal and thin uh, and then she dies. She poses and then she falls uh, and dies. Um, it was horrifying to watch, but of course, like, I found it very, um, I, I found it very empathetic. I empathize with her and I uh, think that it's a, it's a direct response to the way that fat women are treated in the world. Um, and I think that, like, I've seen it done before, the, the concept of people who are, um, fat wanting to just take the fat off themselves somehow there's a, a tv show called my mad fat diary um where the character there's a kind of like dream sequence where she unzips the back of her body and the fat falls off of her and she's thin and it like represents that feeling sometimes for people of like there's a thin person inside of me somewhere and also the idea that like that's fucked up and that like media telling you that there's a thin person inside of you somewhere is like disgusting and that like that's not that's not what should be done. So turning that into a horror aspect, uh, I really enjoyed and I thought was like well done and really pointed out how fucked up society is for making people making this woman and making people feel like they need to literally like murder themselves in order to be skinny. Mm -hmm. um, it's also clearly like very metaphorical for eating disorders because there's like this whole idea of her binging and purging and then her looking skeletally thin. Um, like victims of anorexia. So like, I just thought it was, it was well done taking a, um, a facet of society and turning it into a horror trope. Like I enjoyed that. I thought it was well done. Yeah. You Anything said, else to say? <laughs> I mean, I think you covered it. I liked Sorry, it too. I like, I, I like this one a lot. No, I did really enjoy it too, but I don't, I don't have anything to add. Yeah. <laughs>
Why is for Young Buck. Directed by Jason Eisner, director of Hobo with a Shotgun. I will say about this, it's the only one that made me almost throw up, which is like really saying something after all of the disgusting yeah. gore that we just watched. So this is, let's be totally honest, basically a music video it is. Uh, for the song Vengeance by Power Glove. It's some real lush, upbeat, vaporwave mm-hmm. synth soundscapes. Yeah. I don't really want to talk about it. It's about pedophilia, and it's about... It's a pedophilia, like, revenge fantasy. Revenge fantasy. Um, School janitor, little boy. Uh, they go out shooting um, deer together, and then they kill a deer, and then he molests him. And then the little boy takes the deer head and wears it, and then kills um, the janitor by, like, gouging out his eyes with the horns of the deer. It, it's nice that it is a revenge fantasy. That's all I'll say. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that none of these shorts were on the side of pedophiles. This, you know, this one was specifically about murdering one, so I guess I'm okay with that. Z is for Zatumetsu, in parentheses, Extinction, uh, directed by Yoshihiro Nishimura. Uh, and you, you bowed out. I, well, I watched about a minute of it and then I stopped, and I watched the end. Yeah. But I certainly can't blame you because I didn't watch E, so. There you go. Uh, I was done by this point. I was like, I know what this is going to be like, and I don't want to experience it. So bye-bye. I'll talk about this one. So this is another one of these super abstract uh, ones, like the hydroelectric diffusion, or like the the fart one, I guess. Um, but this one is a little different. I definitely liked it better. Uh, it's trying to say something, but I'll say up front that I don't know what it is. It, it starts out by tying the... Uh, Fukushima Daiichi nuclear meltdown on March 11th, 2011, the um, tsunami that caused that nuclear disaster uh, is sort of the stage that is set for then what is a tableau of very abstract scenes related to Japanese identity and American consumerism. But what it ends up being is mostly... Naked men gorging themselves on food and naked women fighting. Uh, the naked Japanese woman, meant to represent America, is also wearing a swastika hat and has a giant inflatable penis. Um, there's lots of semen, uh, but it's rice. It's like rice exploding. Um, there's so much going on. I, I, It is kind of that same sort of like overload of random but i do think that there is intentionality behind this i i there's there's something metaphorical especially tying it to this i mean there's a at the end there is a set of breasts jiggling that have 9-11 on them and then like uh the twin towers and then there's 3-11 and again to represent the nuclear disaster um and there's obviously something going on about consumerism about talking about like American products and Japanese products. The Japanese people are the best. Um, But it's all wrapped up in a a masculinity metaphor and like a sexual... a a sexual energy that I don't understand. And I wish I did. Because it is trying something that I don't think any of these other abstract random ones are. um, Because I think it's trying to do social commentary and the other ones are just like... Yeah, it's very political, right? And I think that, like, I I don't disagree with the message of this, and I don't disagree with them trying to do it. I would never try to say, like, you shouldn't try to do your crazy political satire. Uh, But, like, doing it with sex, I am just tired of, I think. And it almost feels like a joke sometimes that, like, a pair of giant breasts that say, like, 9-11 and her swastika hat, it's just, like, it's so 
uh, unoriginal and like almost feels like a joke. Like I think that's like something that like if I told you, oh, this I just saw this like really serious political satire where you know they were ejaculating rice out of their giant penises. Like it's just so. I don't know. You bring up this one. My favorite moment of this probably is that they, again, there's like so much dialogue going on, but they zoom in on her swastika hat. It turns into a Union Jack as the Star Spangled Banner plays. Mm -hmm. And so like, it's about imperialism, Mm -hmm. right? I guess. I don't know. I I, I think that if they eliminated the sexual elements from this, I would be more on board because I like... I want to hear what this person has to say about, like, America and Japan and the West versus the East. And, like, I think that's interesting. But doing it with giant penises, I just cannot get behind. It ends with, we should just say, it ends with uh, a character who's been in a wheelchair the whole time called Dr. Strangelove, like, L-U-V, who's been, like, monologuing most of this. um, Like, stands up and then talks about his penis being erect. And then ejaculates rice. And ejaculates rice. So it's, I think that what my, my main problem is I would say the two words that I like to describe this are heavy handed and unoriginal. And I think that like it's, t- it has something to say, but it doesn't know how to say it. So it's relying on, uh, really bad overused tropes in order to get there. Yeah. And that's, that's where we're at. That's the 26 films of the ABCs that's of the death. End. This movie has a sequel in that there's another 26 films. You couldn't pay me to watch them. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to. So on the whole, I would say not a success. No. Again, watch Cues for Quack. Them, yeah. Watch. A, I mean, a couple of these are definitely worth watching. We should post them on, on social media. I definitely will. Um, because several of these work. Uh, I mean, this was not a well-received movie as well. I don't think that anyone thinks this is that good. Um, I think there's just it's too uneven. The things that work are too few and far between compared to the gross out like toilet humor and like schlock and like over the top gore. Yeah. And it's Shock a bummer. Value. It's a real bummer. Yeah. It's so unfortunate too. Cause it's it, like I said at the beginning, like I feel like there's so much opportunity to take a word and make a short film and make it interesting and not just try to go as far over the top as you possibly can in order to shock someone. Like I, I'm, I'm almost like, taken aback that there are still people who think that this is a good idea. I mean, this was 2012, but like that there are people out there who are like, Oh God, I only have five minutes and $5,000. What can I do? I'm going to make something so over the top that makes everyone want to puke. Like, why is that your instinct? A lot of horror directors are just children. They're I just don't... like emotionally stunted children. It, it makes me really frustrated again, because I like, I want horror in this world to be seen as art. And I, I have the argument with people that don't think that horror can be art. And I have to fight against this kind of bullshit. I totally agree. It's really frustrating. <sighs> to wrap this up, I did want to bring in a bit of real life, which is that uh, a woman named Sheila Kearns was a substitute teacher in Ohio for a high school Spanish class. She showed this movie to that high school Spanish class. The whole movie? Apparently. Uh, she was found guilty in court of four counts of disseminating manner harmful to juveniles. Yeah. Uh, Felony. Um, And was sentenced to 90 days in jail and three years of probation for showing this to high schoolers. What was she thinking? What? Not even all of it's in Spanish. (laughs) Did she just watch the first short and go, oh, this is great to show my kid? What? Maybe she showed just the Spanish parts. Again, not a thing you should show a class. No. Oh, my God. 
This is why we need a better training for substitute teachers and better accreditation processes. Yeah. Holy shit. All right. Well, I'm so sorry, children. <laughs> We're scarred by this. Jesus. Uh, are you ready to... I don't even know. There's so yeah, many, there's so many different do. ways we could like get this out of our lives. Pick one. Shoot it like a duck. You ready to shoot this like a duck? Yeah. <laughs> Let's not shoot each other, please. I'm picking the best short and I'm <laughs> using that one. If there's no episodes after this, it's because we shot each other and our boom operator ran off. (laughs) So we're going to do something a little bit different instead of doing the roulette because our anniversary is coming up, our one year anniversary. Our next episode will be one full year of the Now Screaming podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, So instead of using the roulette, because we want to do something actually like fun for both us and for you, and we've been doing a lot of schlock, uh, we're going to do New Nightmare. Yeah, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. We started with a Wes Craven movie. We'll celebrate our anniversary with one. Yeah. A Wes Craven sequel. Yes. Um. We have both seen this, yes. um, but so that, that I think that'll be it'll be good. I haven't seen it probably in like about a year, maybe even a year and a half. Um, so it'll be a good kind of like a re- revisit. Yeah, uh, like our first episode. Exactly. Um, so I'm excited for it. Now I love Netflix, this movie. Now that Netflix has taken Scream and A Nightmare on Elm Street from us. <laughs> well, if we're going to make do with what we have. Yeah. Uh, what they've left us for us, Wes Craven lovers. So that's going to be on the 26th of September. Mm-hmm. Um, the day before our actual anniversary, uh, but we're hoping to do, we're going on vacation this upcoming week and then we're going to come back and, uh, maybe record some bonus stuff, maybe have a guest and, uh, but on the 26th, you will definitely see us uh, with new nightmare Yeah, for our anniversary. In the meantime, you can always check us out on our website at nowscreaming.com and on Twitter and Facebook at nowscreaming. Be sure to tell your friends about the podcast, rate and review on iTunes, uh, Mm We're cut up on a year now. Really appreciative to everybody who's listened and has already... Tweeted us, sent us anything. We love it when you tweet us. We love it so much. We get so excited. (laughs) And as always, thank you to Wes Craven for not making such terrible schlock. The man has been accused of it many times over over the years. Wrong. Uh, But everything Wes Craven did always had an air of intelligence to it. Mm -hmm. And it was always so well thought out, even Mm -hmm. if it was gory. And this is the pol- the ABCs of death is the polar opposite of Wes Craven. Yep. I'm comfortable saying that. It is. <laughs> Thank you for being everything that this is not Wes Craven. All right. See you in a few weeks, everybody. Yep. See you then. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.